0: begin and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, oh, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to E.L.C. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or hey, maybe you are on some sort of archaeological dig right now with us in your ear hole. That's an inside joke. Uh, whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash Pod. They are the coolest of the cool. They are the folks that make this show possible. Their generosity, their support means we get to keep making these. You can be one of them at patreon.com slash pod, And if you are, you get some cool stuff in return, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, although not this week, and you also get bonus content galore. Oh my gosh, so much bonus content. You got your audio version of the DLC Book Club with Lana Bashinsky and myself talking about the and Books of the Fallen, so much fun. You've got Feeling This on Feeling This Fridays, where Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talk about the feelings behind video games. Those shows are amazing. You've got an entire first season, second season happening now. Get in on that on Feeling This Fridays. Plus the Wednesday paid DLC program where Lana Bashinsky joins Christian Spicer and myself talking about all kinds of crazy nonsense, making you giggle, talking about stories from our past, and sometimes flatulence. You never know. You never know what's going to come up. It's uh, all there for our patrons at patreon.com slash pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, we're the show all about games. In their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanada, spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who is on an endless, non-stop, varied vacation, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, live from... Tahoe, I swear my life is not I am I am not out this often. This I beg has been, to differ,
0: friend. It's a, a new where, it, it, you're, where in the world is Carmen San Diegoing this summer. That's what where you are.
1: In the world is Christian's Pillow Fort. Um I will be back to my regular setup and microphone uh next week. I apologize, my audio again is different this week. I am in a new pillow fort patrons enjoyed seeing my toilet fort uh from new york so i will probably share my pillow fort picture uh, over on patreon this week as well but video versions of shows will be back next week i'll be back in my regular studio and i apologize for any kid yelling or dog yelling that you might hear during this episode i am happy to be here tahoe is gorgeous i feel very lucky and fortunate and i'm excited because i've been playing some great games this week my friend some great games
0: Yeah, well, let's get into it. You know, uh, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. Oh, but this week we are excited because once again, DLC stands for deciding where you lean as you continue because we have the co-founder of Point in Progress. You've seen him on IGN, Kind of Funny, GameSpot, What's Good. And right here on this very program as well, it's our friend, Mario Rivera, back with us. Hey,
2: Mario. Oh, boy. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, uh, I'm very happy that you got your pillow fort. I, of course, come from uh, the Jurassic period again, but I'm happy to be here with the boys (laughs) (laughs) talking video
0: games. We love it, man. We got so much to dig into this week. Some interesting news percolating. Some very sad news for me percolating as well. Mm. And uh, the hits just keep on coming. This uh, year of 2024 is nonstop, even when you think there's going to be a a few weeks Oh, uh, well, we're waiting for the big releases. Well, guess what? There's big releases. It's big releases all the time. You can't stop them. And we're going to talk about them. So let's get right into it and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting email from you. You can send us email about anything you like. We love hearing from you. Comments, questions, suggestions of games to play. Oh, we love getting them. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also love reading uh, the communities, talking to each other, and talking amongst themselves, talking with us. And there's two places you can do that. One is our subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. And the other is our Discord, which is also 5x5DLC on Discord. Lots of great folks hanging out. I urge you to take part. But Mario, you're our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: You know, uh, after sort of looking into what's going on with this Project L uh, story and this uh, with the fighter, uh, this is actually something I'm shocked that has not have happened yet. So yeah, I'm going to talk about the uh, Riot showing off their new fighting game. That that's yes. my most interesting
0: story. Riot, of course, uh, breaking off League of Legends the brand into all sorts of new, different kinds of games, new genres. I think a very, very smart decision. They've got this huge stable of characters with lore written and you know we've already seen awesome anime style uh tv show netflix show we we're getting they're really doubling down on their ip which i think is such a wise decision uh you know league of legends obviously amoba MOBAs, a MOBA i think um maybe falling out of vogue a bit but i think they're smart in branching off all these characters and making this rich uh, this rich stable of characters live on in other kinds of games. One of which, Project L, which we don't think will be its final name, uh, is going to be a uh, a two D fighter in the style of Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, uh, and it is uh, inching closer to release. And they have a big they had a big announcement uh, this week. Um, one of the things they announced is that there will be a playable demo at Evo uh, for folks to try out the game uh and they showed off a big new feature which is what Mario is referring to uh the game has uh, we've known for a while that it was going to be a 2v2 tag based fighter in the in the vein of a Marvel versus Capcom or those kind of games where you can tag in other characters but now they have revealed that not only will it be 2v2 character wise it will be 2v2 player wise or 1v1 or 2v1 even they're supporting multiplayer and cooperative teams so that individual players can control individual characters. So you're literally joining a tag team with another player and the two of you can use your two characters in a variety of ways. They they showed off uh, different options even before the fight start to customize how your interactions will work. So there'll be some options there and uh, a a variety of of ways to uh, tag in and tag out, save uh, uh, the active player. They likened it to uh, wrestling, professional wrestling tag teams, where one player is in and actively fighting, and another player can jump in or be tagged in uh, to assist or to team up. Uh, Mario, what did you think of what they showed? They showed quite a lot of this, uh, and you know they showed a, they released a full video of, of four of the devs playing a two v two match, and there will be a big demo at Evo for folks to. Uh, you know, try it out for themselves with four of the characters that will be part of the roster uh, available there. Uh, so what did you make of this? It sounds like you, uh, you were intrigued.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I've actually thought of this as a actual game concept for many, many years. Like why couldn't I have a tag team partner in a way that's like this and sort of, um, like you're saying like the mortal Kombat, street fighter way like i i actually don't think i can't think of another game that allows for that as as like sort of like the function of the game and so when i saw that they're like yeah so you can tag they spoke my language uh jeff they said tag team wrestling yeah and that's when i was like yeah okay now you're speaking where i can tag in at the right moment and then someone can do a combo with their character and then possibly tag me back and like All the different ways that that could work actually intrigued me uh, just as a game mechanic. Um, Will I
0: be able to just crawl slowly toward the edge (laughs) of the screen and have the crowd chant and then at the last minute lunge and tag my teammate who comes in hot? That's right. That's That's what I want.
2: Yeah. The, the, the cheap heel move absolutely yes please can I do that um or, or or for people just starting out with fighters that makes the most sense too um but yeah like I, I've been playing games like obviously Marvel versus Capcom for years obviously Street Fighter Mortal Kombat and then for them to uh, sort of put a nice twist on that formula and give that a little bit of a, a distinction for this game I think is awesome League of Legends is a series that I'm not particularly the most uh, well versed in. Really, my major introduction was Arcane. Arcane really, mm. in my opinion, broke the door wide open yeah. in terms of showing me this world and the different you know things you could possibly do with it. And for them to then move past the MOBA stuff into the different projects... For this to be just like, to me, a no-brainer, yeah, a fighting game with all of the roster of people, this gets me very excited to learn more about these characters, learn more about this world, and to also have this, you know, fun, uh, you know, Jeff Hardy, Matt (laughs) Matt Hardy type of fighter. Yeah,
0: Usos, the Hardys. If I had to venture a guess as to why we've never seen this as a feature before in games that have had tag-like options um you know setting aside any kind of technical difficulty it might provide which i think is not insignificant but setting that aside i would suspect that my worry at least would be that the the player who is not active is just sitting there waiting to be tagged might not have as much fun and you could have a situation where one player kind of dominates and if if the you know if they are the one who's has the responsibility to tag in the other player and the other player can't choose to tag in themselves. You just kind of sit there waiting to just watching, waiting to have some fun. I wonder if there are ways that they've mitigated that or, or actually I'm, I'm more curious Mario if you anticipate that as being a problem or you don't think that would be not fun.
2: I think what they could do definitely is just add stipulations or different modes to that fighting game that will make it so that way you have to be on a balance of being able to do sort of a 2v2 sort of situation whether it being you're allotted for this amount of time and there's this damaging is going to not be as high as if you were still in the match and you need to recuperate or something like that. I'm curious how they go into that. They don't really necessarily go into fully the mechanics of the game other than showing off uh, though the devs sort of playing it and um, I'm curious if there are going to be more modes past just the 2v2 1v1 you know 2v1 stuff but i think that there are definitely things that they could do to make it interesting and that's the thing that gets me the most excited is the fact that they they could add flavors and even like for instance if this becomes a crowd favorite game i could see crowd play or um things on twitch for people that are playing live and how they can interact with the game mm. in some way like um i was watching uh kind of funny play um cuphead Um, Mm. With this mode for crowd control where the crowd got to choose different actions that would happen in the game, like send them to the tutorial or, you know, flip the screen upside down. I can imagine the, you know, the crowd automatically switches the fighters and then it just causes more chaos. Like Mm. I can see a lot of fun with what they are doing, especially if it like pulls up an audience.
0: Christian Spicer, uh, I believe. There has been a, a past that I can recall where my sick Wolverine Spider-Man combo gave you some some trouble in uh, Marvel vs Capcom but what if Christian what if we could be on the same side
1: it's funny cuz i don't think we have that on video but i do think we have on video me destroying you in Street Fighter so I, you know you say one thing but i have hd I... quality video proof of you talking smack <sighs> and then me owning you with my Honda so i mean
0: but then immediately after that did i not beat you twice in a row
1: I don't have that on video. (laughs) The video cuts off right there. So, I I, I mean, even on the raw tape, it's not there. So whatever. Talk, 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 talk is cheap. Um, (laughs) As someone who played a lot of rec league basketball back in the day and pickup basketball, I will tell you there is nothing more fun than playing on a team with a ball hog. It always feels (laughs) good. (laughs) to have johnny pass me the ball pass me the ball pass me the ball pass oh man you always wanted to take the shot always wanted to be the star i mean i think you raise a good point jeff and i and i do think how fun is it to be the player who is not playing i think mario makes some great points that there are some modes that could be built around this idea of switching kind of like again going back to rec leagues that you know, your team needs to be made up of so many players over 50 and they have to play and or so many men and so many women. And like in rec sports, you often see this makeup of the ball needs to go through your oldest player's hands or something like that, where they, again, they yeah. try to make it so you don't just have two people running the show all the time and yeah, kind of I, uh... distribute that talent.
0: Yeah. My six-year-old's uh, basketball uh, league, uh, you have to pass twice before you can shoot. Yes, That's the yes. Rule. Yeah.
1: So I think there's cool stuff like that that could happen. What I find interesting about Project L and also about the other system they've talked about recently, the, the Fuse system, which is kind of how you can use that tag team partner, I think, when you are controlling both players, a la Marvel versus Capcom or some of those old versus style games. I, I, I think it's interesting to have witnessed Project L talked about as a fighting game for everyone and trying to further break down the barriers of the fighter which I think Street Fighter 6 tried to do with their modern controls and it seems like that is a hurdle that fighting games are trying to constantly trying to jump over again since the death quote unquote of arcades where fighters kind of ruled the day in the 90s how do they become that big dog, everybody plays these game style of game. And I think on one hand, Project L is talking about trying to bring more people in, free-to-play, this easy-to-play, perhaps hard-to-master fighting system. But the more they talk about stuff like duo play, which I think is cool, or the fuse system that allows you to choose how your players come in together and what those power-ups may or may not be, I think that adds a layer of complexity that might intimidate people who would otherwise be interested in it. If I come in and play and all of a sudden you do two power-ups back-to-back and I didn't know you could do that and so that's where I think it's interesting. I'm curious as Riot expands into other genres what the profitability needs to be for Valorant, which continues and it seems to be going strong, but I doubt and I could be wrong. This is speculation on my part. I don't think pulls in the money that League of Legends pulls in. you know. And so what does Project L need to be? To be a success for Riot, and how mainstream of a game does it need to be, or is something on par with Street Fighter VI, which is big. Don't get me wrong, big, great game. I talked. To, I think it should be mentioned for Game of the Year at the end of the year, most likely. But it's not pulling in a billion viewers, <laughs> you yeah. know, the way League tournaments do. So I'm very curious about Project L. Yeah, the
0: the fuse system uh, seems very interesting as a. Uh, uh strategic layer, Uh, and I agree with you that it could add some complexity. I mean, the the way it is described in this video, uh, they only show off one of the fuse options, uh, which they're calling 2x assist, which uh, according to the video, this is the quote from the video, it allows your team to throw out two assists back to back instead of just one with each champion, instead of just one with each champion having two assists, and some of them being chargeable, there's a lot to discover. Uh, but you can always change your fuse for the next match to find out what feels right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a cool, I like the idea of discussing with my teammate what we're gonna do beforehand. This feels like something that you don't really wanna play pickup, you know, which is I think why it's smart that they also allow 2v1, where it's not, you're you're not playing two characters versus one character, you're playing two people controlling two characters versus one person controlling two characters, so it's more like the old, you know, traditional tag teams you know, fighting fighting games like Marvel versus Capcom. Um, so I think that's that's interesting. I think it promotes people who already have trust and a relationship because you're not forced. It's not like you're playing a MOBA where you can only play five v five, you know, uh, and you have to have humans, and so you're going to be queuing up with probably some folks you don't know in in a lot of cases. It doesn't seem like that's the impetus here. It does feel like if you're going to play with another human, you probably want to know them already um, which is interesting. I also noted in the uh discussion video that they specifically called out what a difficult design challenge this has been and how much work they've put into it, which I think speaks to kind of all the problems or or issues that we have identified as well it just feels like they've put a lot of thought into this and they feel pretty confident that they've uh solved some of those issues i'm curious to see what the reaction from evo is going to be when people get their hands on it because those that's the audience that they want right that's the hardest of the hardcore uh fans and players uh co- contestants you know that that will be there at the competition so if they can win those folks over i think that's that's a good sign. We will yeah, know they, more, you know, they very
1: certainly, soon. I'm uh, sorry. I say that they certainly, again, League is still so popular and makes so much money that it's not. Oh, man. Riot's betting the farm on this one. You know, will this be the yeah. game that bankrupts Riot? No, it will not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, and they have tr-
1: the time to make it right.
2: Certainly won't. And then hopefully if this does blow up, they have a hun- I just looked this up. 163 characters that they could. Uh, that's a lot monetize. of fighters,
0: potentially, you yeah. know. I also am curious if the business model for all these League of Legends spinoffs is free to play. It'll be interesting to see if all these launches free to play games or I mean, I think there's already been some, you know, there's
2: at least four games right now. Um, Valorant, obviously the league MOBA, but then there's also the card game. There's also, uh, the different stories that are like, uh, collectible games. And there's like actually like an RPG out if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. There's been a number of, uh, really excellent games. Um, honestly, um, so I hope this one is, is as well. I love the art style. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll find out more about Project L. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
1: I'm going to piggyback off of your story from last week. Or maybe it wasn't your story, but it was your story. And so if you haven't listened to that, last week we talked about – you brought up Glorbo. Oh, and, I can't wait for Glorbo. Oh, I'm so excited. And how Glorbo was finally coming to World of Warcraft. And what Glorbo was, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, was nothing. <laughs> and it was created by folks to – see if it would get picked up by these AI content-driven sites that are scraping Reddit for whatever it can and then creating stories out of them and clearly written by AI bots. And it's just the dregs of the internet, in my opinion. Well, yes, Glorbo is coming to World of Warcraft. It was picked up on. Stories were created from it, from these AI content farm sites. And now Destiny 2 players are jumping on the Glorbo uh, train. And so <laughs> they talked about uh, Glorbo not being a new feature, but being a secret boss with posts like Glorbo killed my grandma. I can't wait for Glorbo fight in season 23. Uh, the hardest battle I'm ever going to encounter is against Glorbo. I'm astonished by how well Bungie has slipped Gorbo into the most recent lore book on the Bungie store. And like all of this stuff that again, is just talking about it in a way that is very non-specific. i mean glorbo killed my grandma but in a destiny forum where this stuff is being otherwise the game is being discussed seriously but then these very in on it style jokes and uh jeff what do you think do you think this worked again or do you think the ai learned and it's not going to talk about glorbo anymore it 100% worked. <laughs> 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 yes, it did. Glorbo is coming to Destiny 2, depending on where you read online. And you might be like, why don't I have it in my update yet? Why don't I have Glorbo? And so the reason I wanted to bring this up is one, the Destiny community, I think, is fantastic on so many fronts. And I think what Bungie does with the community is fantastic and the charitable efforts. And, you know, it is a thriving community all these years later. So I think it's important to to bring that up but also the idea of more communities kind of getting behind this idea of you know what this style of content isn't what we are looking for and the way the internet age reacts to that is with some friendly griefing I think. And this <laughs> falls in that lane of friendly griefing. We talked on shows past about you know, actual hate that comes out of the internet sometimes. And that is not good. Again, to be clear, foot down, not good. But this style of antic of, uh, you know, poking fun at the machine that is trying to create content for whatever eyeballs, anywhere they can find them scraping AI to write these garbage posts, like this, I feel like, is good internet pranking. And I wish that when I saw the Destiny Two Glorbo stuff online. I would have assumed that it wouldn't have worked. I wish I could have thought that, but of course not. Of course not. Of course it still works, and Glorbo is coming to Destiny Two. That's my story. I love it. I love it.
0: It is uh, it is cool that Glorbo is becoming shorthand for this thing, right? The, the Glorbo is the code word that the uh, internet has accepted as being. It's code for your site has crappy practices. You know your your news site is garbage, and we're going to show you why with Glorbo. And Glorbo is going to be you know live by the meme, die by the meme. I I believe uh, is is the new internet uh, of today. And it you know it remain it remains depressing to me that this exists. And I think this is the ha ha look how silly it can be. Uh, version, but what it exposes is that oh also serious things and potentially world shaping things are also this easily manipulated. You yes, know, this
1: because I see the, this and I know it's garbage, but I see some other head headline about um carbonated water kills you. And I don't you know that's garbage, you know? Right. Like yes. It, yes. It's just it so is.
0: easy to flood the channel with nonsense uh look at how easy it is to flood this particular channel uh, you know it, it just makes everybody lose confidence in everything and yeah. when there's no truth then uh, you know tyranny wins these are highly the trained. toxic for you <laughs> yes. i, I it, read it on x so i know yes. it must be true mario it's on if That's it's right. on if i can't trust x
2: what can i trust it didn't have a promoted thing at the bottom, so it must be real. It must it be real. It had a blue
0: check mark. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what that means anymore because nothing else is blue on that site. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, again, world so world I think it's in. highlighting because lols and shame on these sites. But yes, the other side of it, which again I think is important to continue to talk about, is this idea of. None of these Glorbo folks, I'm going to assume, are highly trained political operatives or disinformation experts working for large multinational corporations or other uh, countries or having nefarious goals in mind and – I don't want to go all Kiefer Sutherland and rabbit hole, but my goodness, I am falling down the Glorbo rabbit hole. No, <laughs> they're,
2: they're, they're, they're spending their days working their shifts at 7-Eleven and then at home handing out in their Discord talking about Glorbo. You know, yeah. That's all they're doing. They're that's, just,
1: that's all they're that's doing. Future, yeah. I, that is a future I'm okay with. But what I'm saying, Mario, is that this technology that leads to Glorbo, as, you know, as Jeff was pointing out, is not Absolutely. only being used for the lulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: and uh, I think it, it it points to how the internet culture, excuse me, the gaming culture, uh, continues to sort of be the canary in the coal mine, you know, as far back as GamerGate, you know, and beyond. It feels like yeah. uh, we're the canary in the coal mine a little bit going like, hey, big problems are coming, big problems are coming, and their name is Glorbo. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully this wakes people up. And I, I hope these kinds of stories are, uh, you know, a, a signal to folks that, like, hey, this is shockingly simple to make what appears to your grandpa as a completely legitimate news story on a completely legitimate news site that has lots of other news was scraped from some moron's joke Reddit post. No, I'm not not moron, but you know, some just some you know just some knuckleheads post and now grandpa is like i gotta get the glorbo you know it's it's not good it's not good is what i'm saying there's no uh there's no silver lining on this one
1: <laughs> <Sad> <laughs> on, unless the warning is heard but yes i do not i i do not think it, it is or will be and i would just add to that it's not even the grandpa you know i don't even want to it's not even Aegis. it's just if you happen to don't if you happen not to know about the thing, yeah. I could very easily be fooled by this. I happen to know gaming, so I would not be fooled by this. But there's a very real place where I'm looking up information on how to fix a s- sticky uh, bathroom door, you know, and it refers some silly thing that some carpenter reddit posted for lulls and i don't know what you know what i mean like it's yeah and then your bathroom
0: just, door never works again
1: it never you just take it down and everybody sees you poop yeah we're we no gonna live to in the that. world of open bathroom doors the only thing that separates us, living
0: together no that is it the only thing that separates
1: yeah. us from the animals is that we don't watch each other poop you know so
0: oh. i mean there are websites we
1: don't <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. um <laughs> what's your story <laughs> jeff <laughs>
0: That talk note. about scraping the internet. <laughs> um, talk about pets. <laughs> no, I'm what I what I <laughs> uh, what we should talk about because I think is one of the biggest news stories of the week is uh, that Final Fantasy 14 is coming to Xbox and Phil Spencer was there to say, "Hey, we're going to be make more uh, Square Enix games come to Xbox." I think Xbox making moves, baby, making moves. <laughs> uh, but that's not my story, Christian. I would never bring that up uh, as my story because it's not. I mean, I am glad you story. didn't even mention
1: it because no, by mentioning it, people might be... be confused and think it was your story, right? And like, we only I didn't want to talk story. about. I didn't want to talk about, you know, a Monster Hunter game developed um, for iOS that is going to be a Pokemon Go successor. That while Niantic canceled a lot of other games, that they're now working on Monster Hunter now, and it's been given a September release date. Like, I wouldn't bring that up because if I did, people would have assumed. That was my yeah. story, which it wasn't.
0: Which it wasn't and, yeah. and shall never be.
1: No, I mean that you could pre-register right now would confuse people because they mm-hmm. think it was my story. It and feels more
0: like an ad now. Actually, it feels more like you're doing an ad is what you feel I mean
1: like. it's – now Monster Hunter <laughs> now can't be my story of the week. It just can't be. Anyway,
0: my story of the week uh, is one that I, was sent to us by numerous folks including uh, Ryan Hagen, Eric Ibsen. Thank you both. Uh, and others brought this to my attention. Lots of people tweeted at me because I have made Wait, my... they did what?
1: What'd they do to you? They- They posted at you? I don't know.
0: What is it? <laughs> they-
1: <laughs> They posted at you.
0: Through bits my way, <laughs> through the t- pipes that are on the internet. Um, there were emails. I don't know. Anyway, it is, I've made it very well known how much I absolutely loved Immortals Phoenix Rising. And it honestly, it has only grown in my estimation since since the, the year it came out. I think it was it was in my top five. I, I think it was maybe three or four in my top five that year. But man, it's a game I have thought about a lot. It's a game I continue to recommend to folks. I think that it is a underappreciated gem. I know everybody you know thinks it's just a cheap knockoff of Breath of the Wild, and in some ways it is, but in other ways it is, in my opinion. A much smoother, more fun experience than Breath of the Wild, uh, and, and that's just my opinion. But also, uh, just a a full of really lovely ideas uh, and fun. It is a it is just a fun game that crescendos at the end in ways that very few games do. Um, I just adore Immortals: Phoenix Rising, which is why I have been so excited about the Immortals: Phoenix Rising sequel. Uh, Immortals, something else probably uh, that was going to be uh, all about the, um, I think uh, Polynesian gods. I think that was what they were uh, working on.
1: Yeah, that was the the rumor that was discussed before. It was, uh, yeah, because it's all Polynesian the... culture. Yeah, it just seems so
0: awesome. Like a, a a subject that is underserved. I think there's not a lot of games about that. I I love the the sense of humor. I love that game so much. Well. It ain't happening. The sequel has been evidently canceled. There were rumors this week that it was canceled and Ubisoft has now confirmed that Immortals Phoenix Rising sequel is canned, uh, which is really some of the worst news I've heard in all of 2023. It is um, such a shame. Uh, that was, the idea was that that was going to become a new franchise for them. And no, evidently Ubisoft has decided they're only going to have like two franchises maybe three if we're lucky um it's going to be all assassin's creed all the time uh and maybe a far cry in there certainly no splinter cells Um, then
1: whatever wacky new service launches we'll get two exclusive games
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, you get your tom clancy's but uh that's That's all we're doing
2: it said that they couldn't slap Tom Clancy's Immortals Phoenix Rising sequel like as the title. Like, there you I go. think they could have uh, done money, and done.
0: Know? Or how about Assassin's Creed <laughs> Phoenix Rising? You know, Perfect. Perfect. just? I don't Crossover. care. Evidently, there's been some reporting. Stephen a friend of the show, Stephen Totilo, uh, reported that what uh, Ubisoft has done is pulled folks from uh, the Immortals sequel and put them on uh, Assassin's Creed Red which is the upcoming Assassin's Creed that will be set in uh, feudal Japan, uh, which, you know, exciting. Uh, I think that's cool. It's what a lot of people have been wanting from Assassin's Creed for a long time. But I feel like, you know what? We've played those games. We have those games. What we you Know what we don't have? A game about Polynesian gods. And that's awesome. And it's kind of like Breath of the Wild. That would be great. And it really bums me out uh, that it's just going to be 15 Assassin's Creed games and some Clancy, and that's it. That's all we get. Maybe a Far Cry. Um, I just think it's bummer that we're consolidating and we have fewer franchises. This felt like a really fun franchise. One I love. One that I think was a little engine that could uh, did not. I know it did not blow the doors off sales wise, but I was hoping the sequel would be. Uh, well, they know, also you know, released better. it
1: like the same week as Valhalla. I'm exaggerating, but not by much. Like yeah. they didn't give the original the the space it needed to thrive. Like, we're launching this new IP. Also, we have Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming out. And I think it was, like, just after a Far Cry. Like, I mean, it was a stacked time, and they just kind of plopped it out there. And it also received a major rework from when they first showed it. Like, when it did have a little bit of time, it looked like a a different game. And then when it came out, we, we praised the heck out of it on this show. And it is a bummer that they're not giving it that chance. My hope, and I could be wrong, but my hope... Is that you know you joked about putting Tom Clancy's uh, Immortals: Phoenix Rising. My hope is that Assassin's Creed does see some genre diversity, or at least gameplay diversity within this Assassin's Creed name, where we might see something that would otherwise fit a different tone, and they don't don't just all feel the same. But maybe I'm being overly optimistic.
0: I think there'll be some variation, but I think it'll be a pretty narrow spectrum. You know, we've, we've seen the Assassin's Creed Odyssey versus the Assassin's Creed Mirage. Those seem like different tones, different gameplay styles, but of a theme, I don't think there's going to be anything that is as goofy as mortals. Phoenix rising was, that was like intentionally funny and fun and kind of wacky. I don't think they're going to do that with, with any of those franchises. It's
2: it's it's very disappointing that they're not continuing with this because this f- I think this series was very much a good starting ground for just other obviously another type of game that Ubisoft can play to but for entry level people that want to get into open worlds I mm-hmm. thought this was also it's like like I thought the the humor was smart enough for adults but also good enough for even younger people to get into the series as well as the gameplay mechanics the way the game looked um very much your entry over your gateway into these big worlds that you could start somebody with and the that's fact a great that this point continue through and you know the fact that the, it was going to have be based around the hawaiian and polynesian culture like moana one of the biggest movies out there yeah you could market off of you know in terms of like that audience that really loved that movie to have that yeah. sort of a showcase, especially since that was part of the live action one, having something. Yeah, yeah. You know, Just, I, I think there's definitely a world to explore there that they, you know, it, it, that could benefit from having a game like this.
0: And I think it's, it, I mean, more than just sort of, you know, my own personal love of this potential franchise that will not be. <laughs>
2: it's, also, it's also shorter and smaller than most Assassin's Creed games.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of content in that game. It was great, it was so good. Um, but also, uh, I think it points to what is happening with the video game industry at large, or at least the AAA version of the video game industry, which is games are very expensive to make, and these these big publishers are having to bet on sure things, and the only thing they interpret as being a sure thing is an established IP that they can double down on and and, and expand in this way. And it feels like we're getting fewer and fewer games. They're just, they're big and expensive. And, you know, they're taking the people that were working on this and throwing them at Assassin's Creed Red. And that's, you know, hundreds of people added to an already thousands of people, big team. That's just what it takes to make games of the size and scale of Assassin's Creed made, you know, main mainline games. And it's just a bummer because um, it it soaks up all of the effort and talent and money that, uh, and and hey, believe me, I love big, expensive AAA games. I do. I enjoy something that looks incredible, that has tons of stuff to do in it, that feels like it's pushing the envelope technologically, and that takes people and money to do. But also, man, it's just a bummer that these big these big publishers are having to trim off anything that is a little more interesting, a little has a little more identity, that's trying something a little different. It's just a bummer.
2: Meanwhile, Beyond
0: Good and Evil 2 is still happening,
2: question mark.
0: <laughs> that's that's a great question mark. <laughs> that is that question mark's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Um yeah. You know what I even heard though, Christian, is that in the um the Immortals Phoenix Rising sequel, Glorbo was gonna be in it.
1: Well, now it's in. Now let's run the stories, you know. Let's get those <laughs> here, 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 folks. No.
0: I think Glorbo is going to be all the Assassin's Creed's now. They're just going to put Glorbo in. Project Glorbo. <laughs> Project Glorbo. Assassin's Creed Glorbo. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that's all the news that we could fit in, including some ones we just side side fit in. Uh, but we got games no, to talk I about. Am,
1: I'm not going to talk about the that there's a Game Informer article talking about why Sonic Mania 2 didn't happen because you already moved on to play Good. this. So I, would, I wouldn't bring that up.
0: I'm, I appreciate you not trying to do that because that's an would interesting be article.
1: But I would hate for people to know that it exists. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Christian's just doing ads this week. He's just doing ads for I don't even Lake
1: know Lake Tahoe. When you're hot and looking for a place to take a splash, come where the water's blue and not you. Come to Lake pillow,
0: Tahoe. The, the pillow forts are acoustically sound.
1: It, where it's audio is okay. It's not as good as your home studio, but it'll do for Lake Tahio.
0: <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> let's talk about the games we've been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. Mario, I see that you have been playing one of my favorite games uh, of uh, recent weeks. Uh, I just love this game. I hope more people try it. Uh, I wonder if you have been enjoying Dave the Diver.
2: Yeah, Dave the Diver. Uh, It's actually been uh, kind of a sleeper hit for me in terms of I knew nothing about it. I saw one video on a website and uh, I saw the trailer immediately and was like, that is the strangest thing I've seen in a while. I want to play that. What's this game about? And then uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, I... uh, yeah, actually, I've got to play this uh, funny, funny enough, in the back of a car in a Steam deck. <laughs> so that's you were, been fun. You were
0: playing Dave the Driver. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll be here all week. I'll be here all
2: week. Take waitresses. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Dave the Diver uh, by, uh, of course, Mint Rocket. Uh, it's, I, I mean, you've obviously talked about it before. Uh, you are a uh deep sea diver you go fishing You you you, you collect resources you solve uh, uh, par- uh puzzles and also like different things but at the same time at night you're also running a sushi shop and doing some other stuff <laughs> um it is a strange mix of different uh uh genres of uh different gameplay uh, mechanics but uh just has somewhat of a charm to it with all the characters and all the silliness yeah. one of the characters looks like Pierce Brosnan i i i enjoy that <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's got so much charm i think you know you hear on paper the the mix the the mashup of of genres and that's kind of become very much uh an indie staple lately is is taking two disparate yes. game genres and and putting them in the same game and i've I'm here for it I love that I've, I love the innovation that that represents uh, and I've never seen you know a sort of uh, uh diner dash uh, meets uh i don't know what a 2d a, a submarine exploration game but um above and beyond that I think even though that right alone is a very cool concept to to mash those two things up what makes the game i think so special is the writing the charm the art style the just the world you're in is just so delightful
2: yeah it definitely has uh just just a, so much charming uh, interesting uh developing characters as you go along the game um from the different uh people that give you tasks throughout uh the sort of like exploration parts uh, all the way up to like your main people, like I said, like Pierce Brosnan or my sushi chef, uh, who is just awesome when they do these special cutscenes, and they just look really cool and sort of have that like uh, Samurai Jackie kind of like animation style. Yeah. Um, all the way up to the weapons manufacturer, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there's a lot of heart and a lot of stuff coming, especially when it's the interactions with the uh, the story that goes along. It's it's in chapters, so you sort of like more develop not only your relationships with these people, but also build out your restaurant, build out your equipment, and all that. Uh, it's it's just it's just such a cute and interesting game that. Uh, I'm hoping people will discover and will have a uh, longevity future as just something that gets mentioned in in passing whenever we talk about fun indie games. Yeah, um, you know, uh, and I hope that uh, there are more stuff like this from this company in the future. I actually, just, I'm not aware of their other previous games, but now this immediately gets me like, okay, what else have you been working on? What's the next thing that you're going to do because uh, you have such a <laughs> a unique take on these different types of disparate uh, styles, which works perfectly for me especially like when i was like on the go this is this is my steam deck game that i was playing like this is something that i could just load in like okay i'll do a session uh in the water collect as many fish or collect any you know desperate like things for my tasks but then i'll spend like all right cool i'm hiring people for my like business yeah (laughs) like giving them tasks uh it's a lot of fun
0: it's such a great game and it goes places man the story Mm -hmm. goes places it's it's it, it does not rest on its laurels um yeah, yeah. If, if folks have not given Dave the Diver a shot, uh, put it on your playlist because I think this is one of the standouts of the year, uh, indie game wise, for sure.
2: Yeah. And I will say, my only tip uh, for people starting to play it, don't get frustrated because when you first start it and you don't know the controls and you get hurt by sea creatures, you feel like you're powerless. Don't worry. You'll eventually upgrade these <laughs> functions and it will be much better for you. Yeah.
0: But it, I mean, there's no death in the game. You know, you, it there's just, no. It, forces you to stop your yeah
2: that's the thing that for me who like the time management part of it freaks me out as someone who plays like persona and other games right when i when i when i originally like lost all my oxygen and i quote unquote died uh then the next day or it skipped to the end of the day i was like oh no all that resource time that i could be doing you know stuff yeah yeah but yeah it's pretty forgiving
0: i find it's you know it's not uh yeah. later
2: later in the, early in the beginning it feels like it's not but then once you've uh, yeah. sort of like did all the tutorial stuff then it's like okay you have multiple times in the day like all types of stuff like
0: that. yeah yeah for sure dave the diver uh what else is on your playlist
2: uh i have been doing the fantasy of the final uh mm. final fantasy 16 uh which of course uh is man uh that's a that's a that's a lot of fun uh actually not aware of what your thoughts are on it but I'm having a blast in terms of my devil may cry brain Mm. going nuts and doing different combos and stuff like that. The RPG elements and stuff like that. I very much feel like very disparate from this title, Um, but the actual just sort of like lizard brain of like smashing different buttons and uh, taking out combos. It's been, it's been a lot of fun Um, as someone who's not like, the biggest Final Fantasy person. Uh, My first Final Fantasy game that I've ever played, actually, was uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance on the Game Boy Advance. Very good game.
0: Very good game.
2: Really great game. Um, And then I tried 15... I uh, finished 15, finished seven, the remake. And now I'm trying to go back and revisit all of these Final Fantasy games. So this being more of a less traditional Final Fantasy and more into the Devil May Cry uh, with the action part of it, Kingdom Hearts-esque stuff, it's definitely been tickling uh, all those needs <laughs> of being able to just punch things. Yeah. Um, so that's been my takeaway with it. It's definitely been very Game of Thrones light um, in almost two similar of a ways. That, that, those are the detractors that I come from it. Like, I feel like I'm not as high on it as I feel like a lot of more people are. Um, but I'm having fun for the little things that I am doing. Um, but it's How are definitely you on the,
0: um, on the, the sort of, uh, side quest of it all. Are you, are you tempted to do lots of the side quests? Or are you kind of mainlining the story? What's your take there?
2: I, so I've been hearing the, the discourse on the side quests and a lot of people are saying that there are things that are, definitely worth trying out however i feel like they're too in far in between because i am cleaning out uh areas because i attempt to not jump to the next story beat because this game is fairly linear um but once you get the different green orbs that's like hey go try this and this i try to do all of them and a lot of the time i feel like i'm just given with go fetch the thing for the thing mm, right yeah but then there are some little aspects that I do find interesting. Like there is one specific one without two, not too spoilery, but it ended up being like a deeper conversation about people in that world. And I thought that was fascinating, but I don't think it's well defined for the rest of the game. And I, to me, it's interesting. Um, as much as I enjoy the linearness and sort of the straight path of this game, and not so much how how uh, RPGs like, say, like, uh, like a Fallout or even like Witcher 3 specifically, Witcher 3 to me has some of the best uh, third uh, sort of side questy sort of adventures yeah. in terms of how they can develop and change depending on what you do. Um, this is very much like you're going to linearly pass through them on these ones. They're just not as enticing or as interesting, and that's where my 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 problem with them goes. Specifically, um, they don't add a lot of meat to the actual bone of this game. Ultimately, I feel like a lot of the excess stuff like that. I, I'm I'm forgiving it for the combat. I'm forgiving for the mashup of the different abilities, the different ways that I can, uh, you know, recycle abilities and try something else if I wanted to see what else is around. You know. I'm forgiving a lot of things because I'm having fun in that aspect that I would say I probably wouldn't necessarily give it an, if it was a different game.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fair. I think what it does, it does very, very well as far as combat. Um, Christian, I think that's an interesting uh, side topic is I'm curious what you, I think Witcher three is a great poll and I'm curious what your, if I said, "What is the game that you think has the best side quests?" Because I don't think you are traditionally like a big side quest guy, just in general, um, because you know of your issue about you know being pulled away from the urgency of the main story, just you know, in, just generally speaking. But what would you cite as if I said, "What is the game that has the best side quests?" What is the game that you would come to mind first for you?
1: That is a great question. I have two that immediately jumped to mind, and one is a little cheap because I have not finished it. But one is Celeste, one of my all-time favorite games, and its side content is the Strawberries or the other collectibles. And none of those are required to roll credits in the game or progress screens, but they are there, and they are tantalizing. And even getting them doesn't really change much. Yes, do you get a slightly different ending cutscene if you got all the strawberries? Uh-huh, you do. Spoiler, you do. Does it <laughs> meaningfully change you know the experience of get the quote unquote good ending or something like that? No, it doesn't. They are strictly there just to get. you know it is a it is low low-hanging fruit. <laughs> that's often very difficult to reach even though it is low hanging. Um, so that is one, and I know that that's not the typical answer, but that immediately jumped to mind. And the other one, that I think is a little, a little cheap because I have not finished it. Um, and it's Tears of the Kingdom. And I think you could bring that hmm. back to Breath of the Wild because I would consider shrines to be side content. They're not required to finish the story, and or certainly to do all of them. And I think they're some of the best content in the game. I love the shrines and I, I I enjoy Tears of the Kingdom shrines more than Breath of the Wild, even though Breath of the Wild's had some exquisite shrines. Some of the Tears of the Kingdoms, you know, you build a little contraption to get up to the thing, to do a thing. They have a little feeling of a portal-esque style puzzle that you need to figure it out and you know they're self-contained. So everything that's there exists, that uh, everything you need, whereas some environmental puzzles in Tears of the Kingdom, I always think, oh, I don't have the thing to do the thing my stamina is not high enough to reach the thing that i need to get and the shrines aren't that way i think i think that game has some of the best side content of any game ever made and i think another big reason for that is that arguably most of the game could be considered (laughs) side content and it's so well done
0: that's interesting i mean you, you certainly approach it, it's very revealing to me about how you think about side quests as side content you know because i think i mean maybe tears of the kingdom i think probably has more traditional quests in in that sense side quests but i think it's interesting that you would even pick celeste as you know in that in that category um I have lauded uh, the Horizon franchise as being some of the best written side quests uh, I've ever encountered. Uh, Obviously, all the Bethesda games, the Fallouts, the Elder Scrolls. um, But that's another example of like, you know, I would say 70, 80% of the game is side content. You know, it's...
1: I I think it's interesting. Does it need to be an RPG for you to consider it side content? Or sorry, side quest? Because I think another example is other nintendo games like the mario games oftentimes you finish it air quote and then it's like here's the real game <laughs> you know to some extent yeah get all the red coins does that qualify or in your head are you at oh i have it, it kind of is an rpg and then it needs other non-main no, quest to items. me
2: to me it's uh it's the value add of the side quest of like what are they providing me so for instance you know, not in the traditional sense, where like Witcher or something like that, where it's story based content. But let's just say world building, right? So my, I actually love getting the collectibles in The Last of Us, uh, specifically Last of Us Two, um, because a lot of that always leads to little lore and story bits about different things that you could find in the world that are not contingent to the main story, um, sort of like getting to know a bit a piece of the world just because i found something and that's adding to the collectible list that's that's me clearing you know the number the percentage off of the game um, i'm not a, a trophy hunter like crazy people like greg miller uh but uh i very much enjoy just in having that uh locked off so that way I, I learn something more about the world um i think that is interesting in the way that you approach celeste with the strawberries they're collectibles but they do give something to you if you do collect them and it's a nice little piece that you get.
0: I'm conflicted. I mean, I think it's hard for me to, I definitely, uh, in even occurring to me to ask you the question or, or, you know, having Mario inspire the question with which of the three to me, I, the idea is like, what is the best motivation to do a thing based on the story being told? And I think you know, I'm certainly motivated in any 2D Mario game to like go up there and get those extra coins. Why? No, because they're there. Like there's no, you know, <laughs> do, do, do I need to get the puzzle piece on that level? Do I need to unlock the sticker? No, but I'm going to try. Not because I think it's side content, but because I think that's the game. The game is, oh, this is a plus one challenge. Like the ch- you can get from left to right and get to the end of the level but the the actual challenge is to get the strawberries in Celeste or whatever it is. You know, I don't mm-hmm. conceptualize it in the same way as I'm walking through a town and there's a guy who's like, hey, I know you're searching for your lost son, but can you f- help me with these boars that have infested my farm? I feel like – Hey,
1: I know the princess is in another castle, uh, but yeah, I'm a blue coin. <laughs> I, get, I get your point. Well, that's why I said I'm conflicted. I think you're making yeah, no. a valid
0: – I mean, you're making you're you're stretching, in my opinion, but it's a valid stretch, right? It's it's uh, it's pushing it into an area I wasn't really.
1: It's, it's Jean Claude Van Dam doing the splits <laughs> it's, it's, on a countertop, like it's mm, a valid yes. stretch. Yeah, you know? could have just punched a guy, but do the splits, then punch. Valid.
2: No, I, I think you do break <laughs> a great point. The fact that yeah, it's not necessarily the linear path that's giving you satisfaction, but it's also the side stuff that comes around it, and that that happens in Mario games. It's I could just beat the level but what if i beat the level with the coins
0: <laughs> you know like yeah. i do get that i'm curious what uh, listeners think as far as like what do you consider do you consider uh, you know the red coins in mario a side quest you know or, or do you consider the strawberries and celeste a side quest um and, and what, i think
1: continuing that are shrines in modern zelda games a side quest or is that something different is that a collectible in a way that i know you're getting a thing that does upgrade your character in a way but there again most of them aren't necessary so where does that slot in because those shrines also aren't saying help me you know uh secure my farm from these bandits because there are those moments in zelda that are that you know help me reopen this newspaper um yeah and they serve the
0: same purpose in a lot of ways as side quests in an rpg because you do the side quest to get XP to level up your character, you do the yeah. shrines to be able to get more heart hearts or or stamina, you know, you're you're doing the same you're like leveling up your character by doing ancillary content that isn't necessarily required. Like a a, a speedrunner ain't doing shrines in Breath yes. of the Wild, you know. Um so it's it's an interesting concept because I would never think of shrines. I feel like shrines are more central to the experience, but you know helping a farmer is also central to the experience of the witcher or whatever. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, as usual, you've decided to upend my question instead of answering (laughs) it directly. Anyway, so,
2: uh, flowers, flowers to, uh, God of war Ragnarok, specifically the side quest there, I feel like added and there's just content that you will miss if you just don't do it.
0: That's a great, that's a great pull too. I think that game has excellent side quest content. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that was a, a little detour, but I know you have something else on your uh, playlist I'm very interested to hear about.
2: Yeah. I, so this one I didn't get a chance to do a lot uh, with my time because uh, Dave the Diver actually took up a lot of my time while I was traveling. Um, but Oxyfree 2 came out uh, last week. Uh, that, of course, is the Midnight School uh, release, uh, Netflix release. Um this is a sequel to, of course, the first Oxenfree, which was a indie title, um, very much story based. It is these characters going onto an island, and wacky, cool Twin Peaksy stuff happens, and Goonies, and it's 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 just sort of this um int- this this fun story that you get uh told along the way. There's some minor puzzle stuff. That happens but ultimately you are just getting to know these characters and their relationships with each other while very much in this beautiful i don't even know how to describe it it's very picturesque like diorama like flat uh angled world that has layers when you travel up it um it has a very unique art style uh, that i really enjoy aesthetic that i really enjoy the music is fantastic uh if you like celeste or st- in that vein i think you would really enjoy uh Free, specifically oxfree 2 i think also does a great job um but this is a sequel in which i think you could actually play it without having played the first one um which why haven't you played the first one it's 99 <laughs> cents nearly everywhere um that you can find it i actually ended up buying it again because it's on sale for 99 cents so i have both oxenfree and oxfree 2 on my steam deck Um, But you can definitely jump into uh, Oxenfree 2, especially at the beginning. There might be some ties to the previous game, but I think you could play Oxenfree 2 without having to worry about it. But essentially, you are just a person that is returning back to uh, the town that is in Oxenfree. You're on a new island that has some relation and some weird stuff going on. Uh, That's as much as I would love to talk about because this is very much a story heavy uh, sort of like uh, exploration game is the best way I can probably describe it. But uh, uh, you you've had some history with it. What what have uh, what are your thoughts? Fox and Free too, or your interest in it? I haven't played the sequel yet,
0: Christian. I think you did you play it?
1: I also have not made time for the sequel yet. It yeah. is um, we both loved the first for one. For you I think. to pull up a bumper about how many games there are that are, are, there are perhaps any games? <laughs> that's it. That's the one. That's the one I was looking. for. But we both we both yeah. really enjoyed
0: the first Free, right? I would I'm speaking for you, but I think I you Agree that it's an uh, excellent game,
1: yes, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, so I yeah,
0: think... surprising that we both haven't jumped on the sequel. I think it's, I don't know, something about it being a Netflix release. I don't know, it, it kind of like put it off my radar a bit. I don't know why sure. that would be, but
2: uh, oddly enough, actually, it's funny. Um, uh, I'm it I bought it on Steam. It is available on Netflix. If you have a Netflix subscription, I believe you're able to play this on your phone. Um or on the tele I'm not sure how the television stuff works, if it works. Um they also did Immortality, uh, which was also something I loved. Um, but uh very much if you have Netflix, go for it, I guess. But this is available on Steam. It's available, I believe, on Xbox and PlayStation. Definitely my opinion. Check it out. It's uh it's uh it's a lot of fun so far. I'm excited to dedicate my time once I beat Final Fantasy 16 first. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I gotta make time for that game, but it's like, um, it's turned on the barrel of, uh, Baldur's Gate. Uh, <laughs> oh God, don't that. even, That's going to end my life. Anyway, uh, that <laughs> is what is on Mario's, uh, playlist. Uh, Christian, you and I have a, a very similar playlist. Uh, let's start talking about Disney illusion Island, which we've both been playing on switch. Uh, the new 2d Metroidvania. Uh, with a, I think a very interesting throwback Disney art style, uh, kind of looks like a
1: Steamboat Willie style. Uh, well, it's Disney their character. current Mickey animations. Um, which well, I, maybe has been like maybe yes ten years now. Yeah, like those new Mickey shorts. It's, I mean, the opening cinematic is that.
0: My my daughter TV. watches a ton of Mickey content and that's all new, and it's not that. So I think there's a variety of Mickey things happening. That is but true. Yes.
1: That is true. But yes, they they've very much done a lot of these this style of, yeah. of um, Mickey animation. That the new this ride is definitely at, pulling from
0: the brand new ride at Disneyland is also in this style, which is kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have not done that. ride. Right. Um, I, I'm curious your thoughts on it. I think Disney illusion Island needs to be praised for many reasons. One of which I do think is that art style and the animation and the way it, it uses that art style throughout the game. And I think some really cool and fantastic ways. And I, I, I guess if I were going to do my micro review of this game, you know, the box quote, it is a fantastic entry-level Celestivania.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It really is my first Metroidvania. It really is. uh, It does feel like it's my first Metroidvania. Yeah. And I think it does a great job of introducing those concepts to – an age group that hasn't grown up with them. Um, yeah, I'll let you continue. I, I've had an interesting experience because I've been playing this alongside my son. So,
2: Oh, know oh, that's, that's pipeline to Cuphead. Just curious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Pipeline> to Cuphead.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it is. And I, I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, it introduces and reinforces these ideas. It starts, in my opinion, incredibly slow. And it, and it, but it's telling you, like, now you can jump twice. And then you'll get to a point where a pop-up will come up again, and it'll be like, hey, don't forget, you can jump twice. You're going to need to jump twice
0: here. (laughs) Right, yeah, Yeah. yes.
1: And then you'll come back to it a little bit later. You'll use it a few times here and there, and then you'll come back to a point, and it will remind you again. It will you know, – don't forget, you've got to jump twice to clear this, and then you get a wall jump, and then you get this other stuff. And it constantly is reinforcing these. There will be parts and levels you can't get to yet. Remember to try later after you, and it does this stuff that I think is really smart. Again, not everyone has been playing games for forever and had these new mechanics layered on successive releases time and time and time and time and time and time, and time again. But also when I was jumping seven. point.
0: Metroid never said that to me. Metroid was never like, "Hey, bro, Straight up, man. you're gonna need it to did, come." It did though.
1: No, it did. Maybe. It Metroid One so. maybe didn't. Super Metroid, it was like you can't get there, and then you get the bomb, and it's like now you can you can use this to do this, and then you do the thing. Like those early oh. Nintendo games. Everybody talks about Mario One One, but all of those early Nintendo games were incredible at teaching you how to do the thing you just did.
0: I just remember many a sleepover party where me and all my little seven-year-old friends were just completely flummoxed there was no internet to go to we didn't we couldn't look it up we just tried to we just left the tv on all night on metroid going like i don't know where to go next i don't know what to do
2: (laughs) and you didn't want to call the (laughs) nintendo hotline because it charges up all
0: the
1: minutes
0: and all that like you don't want to do that you're
1: not not hitting jump at the right time I can make yeah. that jump. Give me the controller. I can make yeah. that jump.
0: Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> Not realizing that you just aren't ever supposed to make that jump Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
2: I'm pretty sure I've never finished a Sega Genesis
0: game because of <laughs> all this. In my day, we didn't have tool tips.
1: Sorry, <laughs> well then this game might be for you because disney illusion island doesn't have a mini map and you know back in your day you have to pull up the whole map to look at the <laughs> map there's no mini map on screen so while i think disney illusion island does a lot of really cool things for introducing people to uh metroidvania yes but also i think celeste style precision platforming but being very forgiving in it's the precision that it requires i i think I would call Disney Illusion Island a good game. It is not great. It is not excellent. And I think if you have played a lot of these style of games, there are certainly better games that you could go play instead of Disney Illusion Island. Even if you are a hardcore Disney fan, I think you can go back and play some of those 16-bit era games you perhaps missed that I think do this style of gameplay perhaps Better, I think. Like the music's a little underwhelming. The voice acting and the cutscenes is phenomenal, but it isn't throughout the game. There's a lot of just like reading things. I think the writing is sharp. I think it's funny. I mean, they're constantly crapping on Donald Duck, who I will mention several <laughs> times as I discuss, just to make Jeff do his Donald Duck voice. I want him to do his entire. No. Yep, your whole review needs to be <laughs> Donald good. voice, please, Jeff. um but there's enough stuff that kind of holds the game back for me to be like, this is a recommend if you have a Switch. You know, like Bluey is, I recommend across the spectrum as a TV show. Great for kids. If you don't have kids, go watch Bluey. Disney Illusion Island is not that. Disney Illusion Island, in my opinion, is if you have kids, this is fun to play with them. Otherwise, there are better games that you could go play. But I'm curious if your opinion is different, Donald. Wow! Well,
2: <laughs> <give> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um,
0: I am shocked because I thought I was going to be the negative Nancy on this game. I thought you were going to come in, uh, heralding its its uh you know its its praises, and I was going to come in and and squash them. But I basically agree with everything you said. I have been playing this alongside my six year old, about to be seven year old son. Uh, and he is loving it, loving it. And I kept telling him like, I want to, I want to know what you like about it because I want to talk about it on my podcast. And so tell me what you think. And I was like, do you like the fact that you can't go certain places and you have to come back? He's like, yeah, it's so exciting. I never, you know, I I get to see where I'm going to be able to go. And I go to a place and I see a a big glowing light coming out of the ground. And I know I can't, we don't have a, um, the, uh, ability to do anything there, but I'm going to get, you know, a new item and. He loves the fact that the items that you get are unique to each character, you know, they all do the same thing, but each of the four main characters um, you know, Mickey, Minnie, Donald and Goofy have a different way of accomplishing the thing, you know. So like the double jump for uh for Minnie is a paper airplane and for Donald it's a like a rocket that might explode at any time. So and each of the characters has a, they all accomplish the same thing, but it's unique to the characters. He loves that. He loves, you know, he loves uh, lots of the, the, the game of it because he's never really played a Metroidvania before. For me, I am, I don't have the heart to tell him, but I am really underwhelmed by this game, which I have Mm. been very much excited about because it is very much, you know, it is directed at a very specific age group, which is fine. But I think, Mario, for example, does a great job of being directed at an age group, but like also kind of scales up to adults and you can get so much out of a Mario game, no matter what age you access it. And I think there are, there are lots of games that deal with nostalgic IP that adults flock to and you go, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this Disney game. We don't get a lot of really, you know, top tier AAA Disney themed games. I'm excited to play Dis- Disney's Illusion Island as an adult. I just don't think there's a lot there. It's it's pretty bland. And I'm and shocked I think- to say that I agree with you 100% that the cutscenes such as they are are great. Like great. They're genuinely funny. They're very sharp and and well-written, but there's very few of them and mostly what you're doing is playing in a universe that has very little to do with Disney at all. You know, it, it is taking the approach of, you know, a, a Mario plus rabbits, where we have got the Mario stable, but they're in a world that is mostly not their own, right? So you've got Mickey and Minnie and all those folks and, and they're awesome and they're well animated and they look great but they're interacting with a bunch of characters that you've never seen before that are invented for the game in a world that is invented for the game. And it's got that sort of watercolor painterly style that we've seen in old Disney cartoons. So that's cool. But most of the the, the environments are really plain. There's not a lot of life to them. I mean, certainly comparing to, it to something like Ori, you know, it, the Ori series, which is just vibrant and alive and magical and full or of Donkey wonder. Kong
1: Country that- you know, Tropical Freeze and yes. some of those games that aren't new, you know? Right. There.
0: This game is so bland in that regard. And there's just not much Disney to it at all. Like, you're not encountering other Disney things. You're not in a Disney world. I don't even mean a grander – I'm not talking like Kingdom Hearts style where it's got every Disney character under the sun slammed into it. I mean even there's – you know, you could have made characters that are specifically from the Mickey Mouse world the mickey mouse cartoons and had you know pete be the bad guy or whatever you could have you could people it with all these characters that my daughter has been watching endlessly and so i'm very exposed to these days uh, but it doesn't right it doesn't have any of that charm it, it and it's, it's so disappointing in that regard um and then you know the it, it also doesn't seem to want to invent any new mechanical interesting stuff like it's all stuff i've seen before in other metroidvanias Uh, and and that's fine like it does again through the eyes of my almost seven year old who hasn't played a lot of these types of games it's great like it's introducing him to that he's he understands like at first when we're playing it he he's like no daddy we can get there we can get there because he's used to a mario game where it's just like You can get there. You just have to figure out how. Um, But with this game, you literally can't get there because you haven't encountered the person that gave you the thing that lets you get there yet. And the game teaches him that. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. And that sparked his imagination of like, oh my gosh, what crazy new thing am I going to get next? But uh, that's not novel for me. And so, you know, you're absolutely right in the Bluey comparison, which is, you know, Bluey is the perfect example of the thing that kids get a lot out of, parents get a lot out of, nearly perfect in every way. This is not that. Uh, This is not Mario. This is not, you know, the game that will appeal to every every age group. It really does feel like a kid's game. It does feel like my first Metroidvania. And that's fine. Like, I'm enjoying sitting next to him. I like that it has four-player co-op. It does a lot of the co-op things very smartly. In fact, one of the things that I'm most impressed with this game, I've never seen this particular feature, which is innovative and cool, in that you can get to a ledge that might be hard to get to. And then as a co-op partner, you can literally drop a rope down to the lower ledge and let your co-op partner climb up it. So you can literally have one player get to where they need to go and have the other players circumvent the crazy platforming. Because Mm. one player got there. And they can literally, at any time, you can drop a rope. Another cool thing they do is the difficulty level is based on how many hearts, how much life you have. And so you set your difficulty level. You can have one heart, two hearts, or three hearts. Or you can have a heart that is unbreakable. So you can literally never die. Smart. A smart way to set difficulty. But also, when you're playing co-op, at any time, you can hug another player. And that will give you a bonus heart. So my son, anytime he gets hurt and he hits a bad guy, he's like, daddy, daddy, can we hug? We both have to go and push Y at the same time, and we hug, and we each get a bonus heart. So effectively, if you only get hurt once at any given time, you'll never get low on health. Uh, And I think that's a really smart, active way of making the game accessible for younger players because... And it also, it's really delightful that he's like, daddy, let's hug, let's hug. And we've gotten to this point now where we play together and we don't even have to say it. because like, he gets hurt and we just both press Y and hug each other. It's just, it's delightful. So there is a lot of good stuff about it. If you're a parent and want to play this with a young kid, it's great. It just feels disappointing to me because of the missed opportunity that they could have done more. You know, they could have been more yes. interesting. Deeper, yes. yeah,
1: yeah, and I think it. You've also exposed why it it is built around a co-op experience in many ways, and I think in terms of the broadness of the level design and playing solo, it feels even more empty. I played a lot of it solo on the plane as we were traveling from New York back to California, and I played some uh, with my daughter. Um, on the plane we each had our joy cons and playing it that way and and yeah co-op it doesn't feel as empty but solo the worlds feel very empty they feel still but the flourishes that are there again it's like i agree with everything you said but i think there are still probably better games to do that because i think you will have fun because it's kind of like playing any game is fun in co-op redfall isn't that good of a game but it's fun in co-op you know it's like well yeah hanging out with your friends is fun and sharing a gaming moment with Your child is fun. Right. But there's not enough there, I think, to make it even the recommend of the game to do that with them among the sea of other games. And I think that – Yeah. It's just
0: that the the Disney characters can be a, a gateway. Yeah
1: yes yes and the flirt like the checkpoints are mailboxes and those are so beautifully animated and so cool and so fun and do have that you know quote-unquote disney magic and that flourish and i and i wish it went further and i wish it went into more of the game and i wish the game somehow balanced being rewarding as a single player game and as a co-op game and so i feel bad judging it by what it's not but it is a good game in one that I could recommend people pass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, all right. We both also uh, had a chance to check out Ratchet and Clank uh, on PC. The uh, um, the new Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart. I kind of couldn't think of the subtitle. Uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart has been released on PC. We're both playing it on beefy GPs. Uh, <laughs> and oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. With the DLSS 3.0... Frame generation, I, I, I don't know. Maybe you've been playing it on uh, Steam Deck, but I've been playing it on my Beefy GB. What, have you, what is your take?
1: So, yeah, I've been playing it on both, more on my Steam Deck than on my Beefy GB just because of the traveling, and I should say who's provided a code for this game um, from Sony. Yes. And I am reminded at how incredible this game is. It is now a two-year-old PlayStation 5 prior exclusive. It was not a cross-gen game like so many had been at the beginning of the PlayStation 5. And Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is a phenomenal game. It is insomniac firing on all cylinders. It is just a fun-ass video game. And I know I've said that about a bunch of video games this year, but it just is. It is a video game. And it doesn't care that it's a video game and you get awesome weapons and you're grinding on rails and you're jumping from galaxy, you know, rift to rift and doing all this really fun stuff. And it's beautiful. And the worlds are vibrant and full of so many things to look at that don't distract you from what you're supposed to be doing, but are still incredible to see. And just a truly phenomenal video game. And I do not mean that in a bad way, but it is a video game. And it's a good PC port. It's a Nixus port, and at launch, I think is heads and shoulders better than The Last of Us Part 1 on PC was. Mm. I don't think it's as good as Spider-Man or Miles Morales, both of which I put a bunch of time back into on PC when they were released as well, and that was also Insomniac game, Nexus doing the port. And this game, I think, is a little rougher around the edges. And what I think is interesting about this game and the landscape of PC gaming now, Jeff, and I'm curious your opinion on this, or I guess maybe how good Sony first-party developers are, you know, coding for the metal, so to speak, like designing games specifically for those systems, is I feel like Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, I recommend as a video game because it's a great video game. So if you haven't played it, I think it's worth playing. But I think even if you have a beefy GP, if you have a PlayStation 5, I think I'd recommend playing it on PlayStation 5 solely because it's really good on PlayStation 5. And I don't need to ask you the 10 follow-up questions, if you even if you have a beefy GP of like, what's your SSD speed? Is it an AMD beefy GP? Because AMD beefy GPs don't currently have ray tracing right now. <laughs> if it's NVIDIA beefy GP, then you are going to get ray tracing, but DLS 3.0... While generally is good, it seems to be at least in my hour and a half I spent on it, and I don't quite know if it's DLSS three point related or not. But like frame, uh, not frame, sorry, textures don't seem to. It's not pop in. It just kind of feels like they're not there ever, like as high res as everything else. And because everything else is so high res and so smooth, I'm like, I think that looks fuzzier than it used to look. And so I feel like this game is so well optimized for what the PlayStation Five can do that i think for pc it requires you to have all these other components that really make looking at that pc spec sheet necessary whereas usually i feel like it isn't where it's like Oh, the PC version's better because PCs are more powerful than consoles. And and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend it on PC over PlayStation 5, but I think Jeff maybe you you disagree.
0: I think I do disagree. I uh but you know, I'm biased because I've only played it on a really, you know, top-tier rig. So I, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I I have not tested this game on, you know, m- mid mid-tier PC hardware.
1: In Steam Deck, I should say, it blows my mind that a PlayStation Five only game I play on Steam Deck at thirty frames per second. That's like, what I was going to say. That blows like, my mind.
0: It it it, it belies <laughs> it, it it points to this the, the the falsehood of like well this Rift thing is only possible with the power of the PlayStation Five or this uh this like handheld PC thing that Steam came out or <laughs> that Valve came but, out but with.
1: But with an S, but with an SSD, that's the thing. And and I will say there are. It's in like the first hour of the game when it really shows off those rifts. There are moments in it on Steam Deck where Ratchet just floats in space. Oh, like really? he's still moving, but okay. it's like, and then I go through the next one. And on my beefy GP, that was not the case. And on PlayStation 5, that certainly is not the case. On it is the little not the case rifts, on PS5. Oh my right. god. And the, the little riffs that you kind of just pull yourself through in combat – um, on Steam Deck those are flawless and I should say this is Steam Deck verified and it runs really well but it is a different experience in PlayStation 5 I I, I truly do not think that this game could run the way it should run with a an, an HDD over a fast SSD which the Steam Deck has
0: and I also you know my 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 home computer my my desktop PC which is the only thing I played this on has only SSDs in it has a very beefy GP so <clears throat> I have a Complete bias, and I, you know, I will completely admit that. However, if you've got, you know, that kind of hardware, this puts the PS5 version to shame, I think. The DLSS 3.0 of it all, you know, I was constantly, constantly in my playthrough of Rift Apart on PS5 Switching back and forth between the two settings. Do I want performance? Do I want uh, ray tracing? Do I, do I want a high uh, frame rate? Do I want ray tracing? Do I want the, the kind of hybrid the, version? The, this was the game where I was constantly doing that,
1: and I would prefer it either way at any point, to be honest with you. Give I me the 30 said, frames at
2: 4K. The
1: give 40 me frame version they patched in. That was the way to do it. The yeah. performance yeah. ray yeah, when trace. They did that, I was like, yeah, man, That's what back. I played <laughs> as well,
0: mostly. But I, I like the high frame rate. With DLSS 3.0 on this... You don't have to choose. If you've got the hardware to run it, if you've got a really beefy GP, if you've got the the ability to do DLSS3, my goodness. And I got it in, you know, it's 329. It supports 329 native. It, it support you know it supports that super ultra ride monitor that I have. I am the it is silky smooth. It is absolutely pristine. The ray tracing is happening with an insanely high frame rate. It is just butter. And so, like I said, I'm an edge case. I know I'm, I have the privilege of being able to say I have a really nice computer with a really nice monitor. But in that case, this is the way to play this game.
1: Well, I think <laughs> I agree then, amazing. but just I, I just check your stats, right? Again, yeah. I think people, and for so many other games, and maybe Returnal is also another example of this. And again, a first-party Sony studio that is crushing making games internally for that dedicated hardware. But I think typically... There are so many other games that your computer – not yours, Jeff, but a listener's computer could crush that might struggle with moments of Rift Apart because it is relying on needing a fast SSD. And it is relying on a currently NVIDIA beefy GP to do the ray tracing and to have the frame generation. And so I think if you look at that – a lot of times I think you can look at that min min spec and go yeah right you know like "Ah, i can make this work and i think we're entering an era of pc gaming now where because consoles have this set spec that is giving people these these components that can run these things fast and load off the memory really quick and pull from an SSD i think we're starting to see a little bit of divide in in maybe I'm just old and everybody's new computer has a, a, a fast SSD now and it's not as big of an issue as I think. But it just seemed interesting to me that like, yeah, there's some quote-unquote good computers that I think might struggle with this game. Whereas on PlayStation 5, you're getting a baller experience still. I do not think this game is less than on PS5, but I agree with you that it is an exquisite PC port. I would just check to make sure you have the things yeah, that, <laughs> to make that it means- what it can be.
2: That being said, Sony, if you'd like to reach out and let me uh, get a code for PC, so I could try it on my lean beef of a 1080 uh, Ti, uh, I love to try it. Love to try it. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs>
0: See it like. uh, it's a great so game. Gotta, it's just a great catch and on Christian, fire. Did they it's add a, a new gun to the PC version? I don't remember the pixelator.
1: Yeah, that was a DLC. Oh, it's DLC. Yeah, the pixelator was there. It was. I forget if it was a pre-order. You, start you unlock with it. It it, pre-order bonus. bonus. Yeah, yeah, you
0: start with it in the PC with version. It. It's I, I am not, so again, cool. I was provided a code by it's Sony.
1: Fun. I am not sure if everybody who purchases the game starts with it. But yes, our oh. experience, we started with it. But it, it was available in the PS5 game as well.
0: Oh, I never got it yeah. in the PS5 game. But it is uh, <laughs> it is a delight. You, you turn, the, you turn you people into PS5, like 8-bit pixels, and then you can smash yeah. the pixels. It's so cool. Yes, it's very cute.
1: If you don't have a PS5, it's super easy to recommend this game. It Two years old, you wouldn't know it it's incredible and insomniac remains one of the best developers making games in my opinion just it's such a good video game
2: the one thing I do want to bring up and it's maybe just with this context of obviously being a PC game and playing it at a PC location uh, are you playing it at a desk or are you playing it like on the couch with like a with the bigger monitor or how how are you, how is your play with it
0: I'm playing it at a desk with a bigger monitor with a big monitor <laughs> I have a I yeah. have the 32.9, like the super ultra wide Samsung Odyssey monitor
2: I think I think with like games it depends on the game but I think like even though like this has the full PC port and absolutely crushes it's the feel of playing the console on the television and sitting back on the couch and just having it be a showcase with like the giant living room TV that's to me
0: where this game
2: flourishes but hey that's just for
0: you know infrastructure. Yeah. No I folks. I don't disagree with that I think it's a great it's a showpiece for the PS5 still and I yeah. think it's a showpiece for my PC now I think it I mean it's just so silky buttery smooth and beautiful and in in the 13, you know, 32, nine aspect ratio, like you just fall into the game. It's just sick. Mm. Good stuff. Um, I have one more uh, item uh, beyond those two on my uh, playlist. And I guess it's, you know, it's uh, Jeff's Indie Game of the Week, which I guess could really be more specifically called Jeff's Indie Roguelike of the Week, because that's uh, uh, it's what I love. And I've been playing a lot of them. And people have started re- recommending them, and please bring it. Keep it coming, uh, the recommendations. Jeff
1: spends the first half of the playlist complaining there are too many games and then talks about a new roguelike that's destroying <laughs> his life at the end of the section of the playlist. It's Jeff.
0: Yeah, good. That's catchy. Just, you can Thank hum you. along with it i I, mean, I it think it's...
1: Look, Taylor Swift causes little earth, literal earthquakes at her concerts, but yeah. does she have bangers like Jeff talks about uh, games, something, roguelikes, something, 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 something. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, this one actually comes uh, recommended to me from a uh, friend of the show, Dan Trachtenberg, who said I should check out Doomsday Hunters, which uh, has been, I guess, in development for nine years, finally came into, out of early access into 1.0 release. Uh, just uh, last week, I believe. Uh, it is available on Switch. I am playing it on Steam on my PC. Uh, it is a... Uh, <laughs> it's a hard game to wrap your head around. Ostensibly, it does what a lot of roguelites do. It's It's got the Hades DNA, you know, at all. A lot of roguelites do this. Go into a room, kill all the enemies in the room, move to the next room, upgrades... Continue to a boss upgrades, die, pay, you know, take the currency that you earned, buy things for the future runs. It does that thing. But this game, woo, it's got a lot going on, folks. Doomsday (laughs) Hunters. First of all, I should talk about the art style, which I think is unique and interesting. It very much uh, feels like it wants to evoke the 80s, those classic, uh, you know, 80s schlocky action movies you know uh, it's the the main character in this looks like rambo a bit looks like Kari warriors video game from the 80s looks like you know it uh, looks like uh, snake Pliskin a bit uh, it is it, the game defaults to a crt uh, overlay you know it's got the scan lines you can turn it off uh, but it's got it defaults to having that on on pc so you know it really wants to evoke kind of an old sc- old school uh video game look it's a, it's got a pixelated art style but it is in isometric perspective but it is just it, it is so much going on you you are going into these rooms which are not rooms in this game they are islands separated by toxic post apocalyptic water uh, that you can't touch or you die um but the islands themselves it's kind of got this like It's kind of got this toxic Avenger, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic escape from New York, escape from L.A. aesthetic to it, where everything's kind of a mutant, everything's kind of a, you know, a gross, yucky-looking something that crawled out of the slime and ooze in the post-apocalypse, and you're running around blasting it all with your various guns that you can find, plus you've got magic, plus you've got single-use items, plus you've got augments and gut weapon mods there's so much and i think i left out 3 or 4 different things you've got you've got a weapon that charges up over time that is a super weapon that you can use but also there are certain crates that only can be opened if you blast them with your super weapon but then you use up that charge that you took a long time for you to get there's so many different kinds of upgrades and the screen itself is chaos (laughs) chaos Uh, a lot of these games you know the 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 rooms are not super messy they're they're kind of clean and you can focus on what's going on this game tons of stuff going on most of the enemies i would say a large percentage of the enemies that you defeat when you kill them they turn into a second form of some kind there's things that pop off of them and then chase you around the the island, which are actually bonuses. They're actually good things, but they look like they're chasing you and you're dodging bullets and slime and ooze and creatures flinging themselves at you. So sometimes it's like, there's so much going on. It's like, oh, I didn't know that I actually do want to touch that because it's a resource that fell off the bad guy and is chasing me around, <laughs> trying to soak up into me you know, so I can collect it. It is intense, man. This game is crazy. And then you go from these islands. You like the <laughs> you 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 have you touch these pads, and they'll like zip you to the next island. And you've defeated all the enemies. they're like enemy clear or island clear, and you get all the cool stuff. But the islands also have like jump pads that'll fling you into the air. You've got a jump that you can augment with all kinds of crazy augments. Your jump can unleash weapons, like unleash attacks your jump can be a vertical jump a horizontal jump it can it can be a double jump you can change it in all these kinds of crazy ways this game is like just overwhelming with the amount of stuff it's got the amount of ways to customize your playthrough you know because you're doing these runs you're doing these runs the boss battles are crazy and frenetic i mean i'm having a lot of fun with it but you know last week i talked about ember knights can i and Sorry, I,
1: real quick is it is all of that additive stuff good? I think I, I, from a it, cer- like it's a, it has all the stuff and it's a lot of fun or is it has a lot of stuff and it makes it a lot of fun? Does that make sense?
0: Yes, I was just about to make that point. Uh, last week I talked about Ember Knights and kind of one of the things that I lauded about that game is that is how clean and fast and focused it is. And I think this game is on the opposite spectrum, on the opposite end of the spectrum. It is messy and a lot and kind of overwhelming. I think for some people, that's a real plus because there's just so much to dig into. And there's, I mean, it is a game where you're going, there's so much content. There's, you're going to, your run is going to have so many different elements to it. You have so many options. There's like character classes that give you different kinds of bonuses. There's, there's things you can turn on and toggles you can turn on and turn off to just change the game world in interesting ways, to make it more challenging for yourself. You can, like, there's so much to dig into that I think for some people, that's going to be catnip. That's going to be what they're looking for. For me, it felt like a little too much. And maybe that's because I play a lot of these and I'm kind of, I'm not going to make this my one of these games that I'm digging into for long periods of time, but it's got that depth that I think will reward people that really commit to this game. But I love Ember Knights and games more like that, that are just so streamlined and get me in and get me out and get me upgrading. And like, I I know what I want and I know what I like and I'm doing it. And it, it just feels like a more focused frictionless experience. And this game is just friction everywhere, but not in a bad way. It's just in a, a game that's been in development nine years way. Like, the, it's got feature creep. It's got, like, so much. It's bursting at the at the seams with stuff. And I think, overall, I'm not into the aesthetic as much as I'm into the aesthetic of other games. And I think for a game, t- for me to fall in love with one of these roguelikes and really want to do run after run after run, I kind of have to like being there. And I think, you know, for example, Amber Knight's, Hades, a lot of these games that I enjoy, I really enjoy the world that I'm in, and I think this one is messy and gross and icky, and you know, it's got it, it's ooze and dripping, and like you know, it's it's got that, it's kind of you know, heavy metal rock and roll aesthetic to it that just isn't my jam in particular. But I think it's one that's worth checking out for a lot of people. It's called Doomsday Hunters. I bought it for fifteen bucks. At that price, like, you can check this game out and see if it's your jam. There's tons to it, uh, and it's, uh, it's an interesting game. It's available on Switch and on PC. And that's going to do it for the, play, the playlist and for our episode this week. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Mario Rivera, thank you so much for being here. It's such a joy talking to you, man.
2: Yeah, no, as always, just a pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite. I love being here. Love talking to you both about games and uh it's it's a wonderful opportunity for you to
0: just speak and just have fun. Yeah, so. right on. Tell folks where they can uh check out all the other stuff that you do online.
2: Uh yes, of course. Uh you can find me I guess on X dot com or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel still the, yeah. the mouthfeel of that is still not right.
0: So And never will be.
2: Never will be. Uh, Find me at that Mario Rivera on most places, including uh, uh, Threads and uh, I think Mario Rivera on Blue Sky. That's where you can find like my musings, things that I'd like to talk about, games, stuff like that. You can also follow whenever I post anything on Point in Progress, which is our my uh, YouTube channel with uh, my uh, fellow co-founders at youtube.com slash Progress. If you are uh, excited to hear more be- talk about uh, horror movies, I actually have a thing coming out, I think the same day as this episode. So if you want to continue over there, um, it's uh, I'm talking with uh, my good friend Joe Mertens over at his podcast, Murders with Mertens, where we talk about the movie Demons. Mm. So check that out
0: it should be out the same day so yeah cool fun awesome christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week
1: hopefully getting home <laughs> uh, for, for more than 12 Where hours to, in to,
0: the to world do. is christian's bill of
1: it's upsetting <laughs> to keep using bill of Horts. um <laughs> this show is on threads you know in a 10th in year is when you create a social media account. And so that is that. On an is, unproven
0: uh, platform that may or may not exist in the two years. Who knows? What do, we don't know. What, what's even happening?
1: We just follow the rules as they are laid out. When, whenever you start a podcast, yes. and Mario can can speak to this as well. Mm-hmm, whenever mm-hmm. you start a podcast, you get a rule book. And in that, you know, it says that in year 10, you start a social media account on a new social media platform owned by a legacy social media company and so we're excited to be there it's dlc hype train on threads there was a really fun thread this weekend about games that folks are playing and one game that we have not mentioned on this show and i don't know if we maybe we'll find a guest that put a lot of time into it but a good amount of listeners uh based on a sample size of threads is pikmin 4 i have a small pikmin 4 anecdote from at the nintendo store when i was in new york city they had a bunch of playstation PlayStation stations set up to play games. <laughs> they do not have any playstations, um, but stations. Set up to very play odd games. To yeah. Welcome <laughs> to the Nintendo
0: store. Please step up to pick a PlayStation game to check out.
1: Hey, if the nineties had gone a different way, they would have been PlayStation. That's possible. So True. Um, True. But they had several set up and the Pikmin four stations. I spent uh, two, out took two separate tri- trips to the Nintendo store in New York. The Pikmin four stations were virtually empty. The Mario Kart tour uh, uh, stations sometimes had lines. Well, supposedly... Pure anecdotal. uh, Pure anecdotal.
0: That's not representative, or maybe it is just in our country, because evidently Pikmin 4 in Japan is crushing.
1: Crushing. And per Threads listeners, or followers of DLC Hype Train on Threads, it is crushing and is awesome. So again, I know we have not given it much airtime, but I wanted to give a shout-out to those listeners playing Pikmin 4 and loving it, and it reviewed very well... As well, um, and then the last thing I'll say is that <laughs> indeed, um, there's a, of course, another episode of Feeling this Friday dropping. The last Friday's episode, we got into a discussion about gamey games and games that focus a little more on realism. And we talked about Horizon some in terms of its checkpoint systems versus Alien Isolation and how both use something that exists in that world, but they present it in different ways and how Horizons is a little bit more video gamey, whereas Alien Isolation does something that is a little more grounded to that universe and kind of how both versions can make a game better. Depending on the game they are trying to be. So, again, that's available for all patrons, and you can sign up at patreon.com slash DLC
0: pod. I would say you could follow me on things, but I, I don't even know anymore. Like, what's the point? What's the point <laughs> of social media? Um, so, I- instead, I will tell you other shows you can listen to me on, including the film cast, where we talk about movies and TV shows. Uh, very spirited summer uh, of movie going. We just, uh, we're doing our Barbenheimer. We did uh, the Oppenheimer first. We were doing the Barbie this week. Uh, we got, we got, you know, we got precious few weeks left where there will actually be new content. Everything's getting delayed. Uh, everything's getting pushed to 2024. Uh, so you know, there may be a very interesting road ahead for the film cast where we talk about, I don't know, old stuff. I guess we'll find out.
1: Eh, you should Welcome be to with the, the, the film cast. Again, you know, the podcast show where we discuss. Foreign reality shows um, <laughs> on this yes. week's show. Dave would love that. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> this has oh been his plan. God. This has been his plan. It's,
0: uh, <laughs> it's all coming together for him. Uh, I also do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. It's good fun. Uh, and a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show. Uh, every Thursday, you can find all of that stuff wherever you get podcasts or video for that matter. Yeah, go searching. You'll find me. Also, you can email us here, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift.
0: Mario, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Yes, and uh, I'm a little s- shocked that I'm going to say this. <laughs> But uh, there was a release on the the Peacock, uh, which, of course, is the NBC uh, streaming platform, if you have it, or if you want a free trial, check it out. But uh, there is a new show out there that is based on a video game. Uh, you know, we're having a, such a great flourishing uh, time when it comes to either Arcane, uh, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, Borrow the Movie, you know, Last of Us TV show, which I just got my DVD. I'm very happy about Um I could also recommend Twisted Metal, which is Twisted something I, like I metal. said, didn't think I was going to do because uh, I saw the trailer originally and I was like, this is going to be a dud. Uh, this isn't going to be my thing. Um, however, pleasantly surprised, Twisted Metal is a whole lot of fun. So I, I wanted to uh, at least actually speak upon it because it kind of just got dropped on Peacock. Uh, there were some minor you know, publicity for it, but obviously. Uh, with obviously going on with the SGA and the WGA and everything uh, happening over there in SAGAFRA. Uh Not a lot of people are promoting their stuff. So I at least want to at least talk about something that's probably just going to get dropped on since I have no affiliation with that. Um, but at the very least, uh, Twisted Metal is the show based on the PlayStation Classic game that i didn't know had lore but apparently it does (laughs) um but that does not matter because it's just a pure comedy show starring anthony mackie and i believe her name is uh stephanie uh, beatrice and uh, a wild array of comedians and characters that you'll find throughout the show and uh it's basically just like the midnight run of of, uh, of a tv show but done in the same humor of deadpool or Zombieland or just some not needing to take anything seriously. Uh this is just has a lot of charm to it, a lot of fun, a lot of uh goofy moments. It is absolutely uh abhorrent and silly and bloody and all the fun things that you would think of twisted metal. Uh shout out to of course uh Samoa Joe, uh doing the body embodiment of Sweet Tooth on this show. Um But what I uh will will Arnett plays the voice, oddly enough. Um but uh I just there's just there's just something so innately dumb about the concept of Twisted Metal that they somehow found and cracked the nugget of just the goodness that it can come from a silly concept, as for a sort of like car battle shooter, you know, like a uh, destruction derby with, you know, cars with guns and stuff like that. They somehow managed to find the humanity in that, <laughs> oddly enough, with gross out stupid humor. And I think that Twisted Metal, beyond reason, Found that 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 core um, with Anthony Mackie, who's fantastic on the show, and all the other creators and other people that are surprises and people in this. Um, will this get a season two? Who knows? But I'm glad that we're still in this uptick of like great adaptations and giving new life to uh, video game properties that may or may not have lore which this one apparently did. I don't want to anger people that love it, but I think that this is such a good uh starting point for just just for fun. If you want to have a just a, a mindless a fun show sort of like in the vein of in my opinion, it kind of reminds me of like a dirty version of um uh like a Parks and Rec meets uh <laughs> like a Brooklyn 99, <laughs> uh, which is a weird thing to say because it's a road movie, a road show, but it just has that look and feel of those shows for some reason in Twisted Metal.
0: Well, there you go. I had I'm very glad to hear that this is in this is, uh, entertaining you because I have not checked it out and I wasn't planning to, but now I might, now I might. I would
2: say if you're going to check it out, it's 30 minute episodes, 10 episodes. It's a breeze. I would say if you try the first hour and then if you don't like it, that's fine. If not, give it a shot.
0: Very cool. Twisted metal on Peacock. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift?
1: We talked about it a little bit on last wednesday's paid dlc episodes that is what inspiring this and it is to go see some live theater wherever you live it doesn't need to be touring broadway or anything like that but i think as we talked about ai dredging the internet for content yet again on this week's show i think there is something very special about seeing human beings performing and i think it is something that and not watching each other while we poop are what separate us from the animals and anything live i think we'll I mean, do a sporting event
0: there are live, live theater, theater. Shows, i will say there are certain theaters that
1: <laughs> okay so don't go to those shows where you're watching jeff poop but like any other live theater show um it was i my highly recommend it and i know
0: thesis <laughs> sorry go ahead
1: okay it's go find of spring that spring awakening Go go find – okay, okay. I, I retract everything I said. There's only one thing that separates us from the animals. We don't watch each other poop enough. That is the <laughs> difference. We need to watch it more. But I know that seeing live theater can is difficult. It's not as easy as it should be. It's not as accessible as it should be. But I think that if you are able to take the time, the mental energy, and the effort to go see people perform live, I think it will change you. And if you haven't in a long time, I think it's worth doing again. And it certainly refilled my cup. And I would recommend everybody put in the little bit of work it might take to go get it done.
0: I second that notion for sure. Um, I want to recommend a show on Apple TV Plus. Uh, I, I think I'm starting to doubt myself. I think that's where it is. Uh, it's a new documentary about uh, Stephen Curry. It is called Stephen Curry Underrated. Uh, I am uh Bay Area born and raised uh, I love the Golden State Warriors. I am a fan of Stephen Curry. I have been for a long, long time. But I think uh, anybody that's a fan of decent human beings uh, doing great things would get something out of this documentary. It's not really even about the NBA. This focuses on his collegiate career at Davidson College, uh, where he uh, had to go. He was not, he wanted to go to a big, more prestigious uh, basketball school, couldn't get in because he was undersized. People didn't think he could make it. Uh, now he is one of the m- most, uh, you know, decorated NBA players of all time. Uh, has the record for most three pointers ever, has multiple NBA championships. And people thought he couldn't play. Uh, hence the underrated title. This is a very inspiring uh, documentary. It it made me, um, it made me emotional. I think it's beautiful. It's it really focuses on not only his. Uh, what it takes to be great on the basketball court, but it focuses on his desire to actually get his college degree, which he did after having already won three NBA championships. So didn't need the money, you know, didn't need a, a, a fallback position. Uh, he just did it because he thought it was important. His family thought it was important. And I think it's very inspiring. Uh, very good documentary, Stephen Curry, underrated. Check it out. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Philip from Cincinnati. Philip writes, First off, I want a second Christian's parting gift, Natural Beauty by Lingling Huang. I went to school with Lingling, and I can assure you and the listeners that if you purchase this book, not only are you getting a great product, but you're also supporting an incredible person. In addition, I'm pretty sure the book has already been auctioned to HBO, so if you read it now, you'll be way ahead of the game on the next big show. My parting gift, however, is for the parents and kids who listen to DLC, of which I know there are many. It's another podcast that my family of four has become really attached to over the past year or so. It's called Little Stories for Tiny People, and it features the work of writer, reader, and host Ria Petcher. Petcher? Pector? Pector? I guess Pector. Uh, there are a few reoccurring characters in her stories and some standalone ones, as well as a sleep train series that is meant to help your little ones fall asleep with pleasant images in their minds. Our two-year-old regularly asks for Hedgehog Story, one of her recurring characters, and uh, us parents have found these stories entertaining as well, often wanting to finish the story even if our son has already fallen asleep. I hope this can be a good gift for parents who are trying to get away from screen time but are still looking for engaging content for their kids. Thanks for the show and all that you put out into the world. Thank you, Philip. I am going to check this out. Little Stories for Tiny People, the podcast. Uh, This seems like a perfect thing for my little people, my tiny people. Uh, If you'd like to suggest a parting gift on our show, please send it to us. dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We love getting them. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again to Mario Rivera and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. You can get swag for the show at dlcswag.com, which comes courtesy of Jesse J. Anderson. Thank you for that. Our biggest thanks, however, are reserved for our patrons who make this show possible at patreon.com slash dlcpod. Thank you for your generosity. Thanks for supporting us. Our top tier patrons, the hype train patrons, get their names read out at the end of every episode, which we're going to do right now.
1: Hello, friends. No song, no singing. Just sincere thanks from my Tahoe pillow fort to our hype train patrons for helping make this show possible. Thank you, Taylor Wiggert, Josh Peak. Nick Strauss-Klein Michael Stadler Jackson Travis Soren Silk Yick Zachary White Nate Jenny Scott Hughes Jimmy Radcliffe Mitchell Ness Jeff Luxack Matt Bradley Victor Venezuela Cheesy Bob Hank Patton Rob Rixman Riley Knox Kyle Starr Michael S Relentless Rex Curtis from Louisville, Comedian Aaron Trahan, Sheru Ken, Scott Lambert, Joe Frank, Stephen T. Seifert, Tyler Buckwild Brode, Dwayne T. Robinson, Rob, Wonder Rob Dominguez, Kevin Eddy, Brian Yordan, Hyperboy66, David Epp, John Sisko, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Anthony Gulas, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Will with one L Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Ben, Kevin Brazzle, Stu Goss, Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schleppthefer, Albert Verhelde Dios, Spiceman Silencer, Mike Lombardo, Michael Buck, Peter Olberg, Jad. Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratziou, and Jason Novak. Thank you all so much, and thank you for putting up with my travel mic these last few weeks. I look forward to being home and getting the VOD versions going again very soon. Thank you all very much.
0: All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.